Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. to say on any given Sunday morning and uh, moving forward I'm gonna try to say less and just believe that the Spirit of God is gonna say more uh, but I want you guys to be part of of this deal that I want to make with you that means you guys are gonna have to take more notes so that when God does speak to you you don't miss it you know I was at a conference this week and I had my laptop out on my lap the whole conference and I caught a few people looking at me what's he doing I'm thinking I'm taking notes I took notes for every sermon. Then I, uh, I highlighted things that I felt like God was speaking directly to me. And then I highlighted other things that I felt like God was speaking to our church here uh, in Brea. To me, it doesn't make any sense to go to church and believe like, like uh, Ray just said. Do you believe? Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he will? Do you believe he's alive? Do you believe that he speaks? And if we say yes to all that, yet we don't take notes, then something's not right. We will forget. The day will get a hold of us. The issues will come and take our focus and, and uh, take what it is that God wants to say to us. So, you know, when, when Ray asked us to grab those offering envelopes, I remember when I got saved, I would start writing notes on anything. I had post-its everywhere. I had um, offering envelopes, like I would take them and I would write all my notes on them and then I'd stack them up together. Now we have tablets and phones, but I want to encourage you, if you today do not have a phone to take notes on, grab one of them offering envelopes, grab a pen that's right there and take notes. I believe God's going to speak to you this morning. I've got a lot to say, so I'm going to move fast today, and we'll get to saying less next week, maybe. <laughs> I believe. Praise Jesus. So Wednesday night, Ray preached, and he taught Bible study in Hebrews chapter 8. Let's give the Lord a hand and give Ray a hand, amen. And some of you ain't right. I listened, and all of you guys were asking questions and trying to stump him and throwing all kinds of stuff at him. I was listening in the cars, getting mad, like, Ray, don't let him do you like that. But Ray was filled with the spirit. He was answering questions. You know, he would duck your little jab and then hit you at the uppercut. I was like, yeah, Ray. You know the word. You know what God is saying. He was prepared. He was spirit-filled. And I think we can receive that. If you're not here on Wednesday nights, get here. If you can't get here, get in the app and listen to it. It's so foundational to who we are as a church. As I go to a lot of different churches and I watch what they do and I hear what they do, you know, I'm glad to be us. You know, every church that belongs to God is a great church, but there's only one the way. There's only one church that I go to. There's only one family that I have. And I love what we do here as far as, you know, year after year to still be on a Wednesday night Bible study, right? To be doing that chapter by chapter and verse by verse um, when, you know, other churches, other fellowships are like, hey, we're just going to do Sundays. 
and we're going to do multiple services on Sunday, and, but we're not going to do that whole Bible study thing. We'll put that on the people. You know, I, I believe that a lot of it is our own responsibility, but at the same time, I want us to be able to come here and say, man, we got a strong foundation. We learned a lot. It's exciting to come to Sunday service and see different topics and hear different things. But man, that excitement, sometimes it fades. And sometimes that you feel like that wasn't the message for me. But that Bible study, day by day, week by week, man, that never fades. That's what you actually stand on. So thank you, Ray, for that. I listened and I was asking questions in the car and I was saying amen. I was trying to answer questions. I was like, nobody's listening right now. I'm answering questions. <laughs> But I thought about it with the end of our New Way Forward series. New Way Forward, you know, uh, it's nice to know that I'm not the only elder, I'm not the only pastor, I'm not the only one who ministers the word here. And I think as we look at a new way forward, you're going to see more and more of that. More and more men and women of God taking their rightful place, ministering the word of God, and, uh, and being used by God in a powerful way. I think we've already seen that a lot here, but I think there's more to come. Amen. You know, last Sunday, at the end of this series, I believe God moved in a special way. We talked about enlisting instead of being drafted. How many of you remember that? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We talked about those who have enlisted choosing last week to re-enlist, right? The work of God in their lives, in their individual lives and, and uh, in their family saying, you know what? You know, I'm here for this, and this is what God's called me to, but I want to re-enlist. I, I want to say that, hey, I'm not just here because I said I would be a long time ago. I know that I can leave at any time. I can leave my family. I can leave the church. I can leave all these things. But I want to make it known to everybody. I want to make it known to my God. I want to make it known to myself that I'm re-enlisting. I'm down for this. I'm into this. I don't have another plan. I don't have a plan B. I burned the ships. You know, I remember telling you guys that story about, you know, this, this group coming across. And they said, we're going to take this land. And when they got off of the ship, they burned the ships. They said, look, either we're going to fight and we're going to take the land or we're going to lose and we're going to be killed. But what we're not going to do is go back. The ships have been burned. You know, I really felt during prayer this morning and I felt uh, during worship today, as we said, in my life be lifted high, that man, the bar just has to be raised. I, I came to tell you guys this morning that uh, God wants it all. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm looking for men and women who say you can have it all, God. Right. And I don't care if those are the men and women who are already here or the ones that will come tomorrow. Whoever's willing to say, God, you can have it all. Those are the ones that I want to run with. Those are the ones that I want to see God use. Those are the ones that God is going to forge the, the kingdom forward with. And we all have a choice to make. There's not going to be any sugar coating. There's not going to be any toning it down around here. Amen. We're going to go hard. Amen. Amen. So. At the end of that, we talked about replanting the way, replanting this church here in Bray. And I can't tell you how excited I am about that, about the season that I believe that's ahead of us uh, and ahead of each and every one of you. I've seen what God can do in the last 10 years. All we had was one couple with their little baby and one other person who believed that God was going to do something. You're talking about three people and a baby that said, we believe God can do something. And then 10 years later, God has done something. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed, right? Kids are, are being used to minister to other adults and minister to one another. All because three people were completely sold out at the time. Burning ships, changing plans. All three of us had other plans for our lives. But that season and that time we said, listen, those, those plans are going to have to wait because this is what we are going to do Amen. with all that we have. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything, say everything. everything, 
To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. I believe that we've plucked what was planted and I believe we've tasted and seen that it was good. Ten years ago, something was planted in the city of Brea with our name on it. Ten years later, we've plucked what is planted, (laughs) we plucked it, and we taste of it and we see that it's good. That's what Psalm 34, 8 says. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. It doesn't matter if you've been here the longest or if it doesn't matter if you're some of the newer folks that have come into this church and come into uh, what God is doing here. I believe that many of us have trusted in the Lord and many of us have begun to taste and see that he's good. You know, I I love the testimonies when people say, I showed up for this reason. I showed up for that kid. I showed up because you guys are family and I wanted to come. I showed up because somebody invited me to a a Halloween thing outside. You know, it's so funny. When we were doing that thing, we were saying, should we go to downtown Brea to the giant one? Or should we just do our own thing for us right here in the parking lot? Ten people showed up to the parking lot, but they've become some of the most faithful people in the church and God is using them. We taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's what I believe. I believe now is the time, though, that many of you are going to taste and see things with God like never before. I believe it with all my heart that right now is the season that some of you are going to go places with God that you've never been before. Some of you are going to see things you've never seen before. Some of you are going to say God is greater than I already believed that he was. Closeness and intimacy with God. Miracles and healings. Finding gifts within you that you didn't even know were there. Many of you have been coming to church and you don't even know there's stuff in you that God wants to use and a way that God wants to build you up and change you and transform you. I was yelling at one of the young people before service today during meet and greet. I looked at her and said, get up, go walk around, hug somebody, say hi. And then I went on doing my own thing. And then she she limped over to where we were. (laughs) She sat down. I said, What's wrong? You hurt? Yeah, something's wrong with my legs. Something's wrong with the bones. I got to go get, I got to go get x-rays. The first thought was, oh man, I feel bad for yelling at you to get up. <laughs> the second thought was, I reached my hand down and I prayed, God, you can heal. You can do something. Yes. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? Man, this season that's upcoming is going to be a great season. Amen. Get right or get left though. <laughs> Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it pass you by. I want to see what will happen 10 years from now when there's more than three people who trust the Lord and commit everything to seeing God move. If this is what happens in 10 years with three and a baby, what do you think will happen in 10 years with a multitude and multitudes of babies? We got babies popping out. We got pregnant people right now. We got kids upstairs. We got adults down here. But the question is this, the three that went were all the way sold out. Jerry Maguire said, who's coming with me? (laughs) It's probably my favorite movie of all time because it has this crazy emotional range and it's just got all this passion. But Jerry Maguire, he writes this this manifesto. He sends it to everybody in the company. He comes in and at first everybody's clapping. Finally, somebody said it. And then the dude gets fired. He says, I got to go plant something somewhere else. And he looks around and everybody says, who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? And this one person, (laughs) that was like Sarah when we went out. (laughs) Sarah's like, I'll go. (laughs) But right now, it's the same call. 
Who's really coming with me? Who really wants to plant? Who really wants to give everything to something new, something beautiful, something that can grow in a way like nothing has grown in your life before? And who's just along for the ride? to watch and to receive. Oh God, I hope that you bless this thing and I hope that you use it so that I'm really not going to do anything, but I just want it to be like I can taste and see. (laughs) Don't let me get ahead of myself. How many of us are ready to lay down our lives for the purposes of God to be fulfilled through us? Not just for us, but through us. Everybody's willing to do a little something to have something for you. God's saying, I'm looking for people to lay down their lives so I can do something through you. And I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about in your own life. A lot of things that haven't happened in your life and haven't happened in my life is because I haven't laid my life down so that God can do it. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We all have a measure of faith, right? So you walk into the door and God says, here's your measure. Here's your measure. Here's your measure. Here's your measure. We all get that. And what it is, is just the right amount for you to say, Jesus, I'll give my whole life to you. Nobody has a better chance of getting saved than anybody else. We all get a measure. And Jesus says, this is how much you need to put your faith in me. This is how much you need to put your faith in me. We all get it. And many of us are here because we said, here it is, Lord, and you can finally have it. I put my faith in you, and we get saved. But after that, he says, you need to have your mind transformed. Many of us have put our faith in Christ, but our minds have not been transformed yet. The things that he asked of us, the word that goes forth in the church sounds crazy to us because we're we're filtering it through an old mind. We have to have our minds transformed so that we can understand that a life laid down for Jesus is not crazy, it's common. At first, the the faith is just enough to say, I'll give you my life so I can be saved. After that, your mind is transformed and you say, a life laid down for Jesus, that's not crazy, that's common. Thank you for the salvation. Now I'm a living sacrifice. Take me. You can have all of me. You can do what you want. You can put me where you want. You can deal with me how you want. You can take what you want. You can have what you want. That's not crazy. That's common. It's not about loss. It's about gain. You don't come into church and even a message like this morning. I'm not trying to tell you what God wants to take from you. I'm talking about what he wants to give to you. But your mind has to be transformed so you can receive it and understand it. The old mind can't receive it because it's not a spiritual mind. Let your mind be transformed. When we go out to do sidewalk sanctuary, the reason why we give food, the reason why we give gift cards, the reason why we give prayer is because we should know God's not trying to take stuff from you people out there who are lost. He's trying to give you something. It's not a life of being restrained or confined. It's a life that's free and full. When I say that the time is now, I mean that now is the time to say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of what God is talking about in my own life. I want to be a part of it in my family. I want to be a part of it in the church. I want to be used and not just served. There's a song that says, if it feels this good being used, go ahead and use me up. 
How many want to be challenged to grow as an individual here in this place? Amen. How many want to be a useful part of the work that's being done here? Do you want to be challenged as a group or do you want to be challenged as an individual? Hey, pastor, look into my actual life and help me. Or, no, I don't do that. I'll come in with the group and I'll, I'll take it as I want it. I'm going to read the rest of Romans 12 because I, give, I think it gives us a great progression and blueprint. Say blueprint. blueprint. Say plan. plan. Say blueprint. blueprint. Say plan. plan. Man, for those who are speaking, I'm speaking to you. Give us a great blueprint and a plan for replanting in your own life and replanting in the church and what it should look like. Where this scripture starts is after an individual has enlisted already. All right? So this ain't for the unsaved. That's not who God is talking to right now. He's talking to the saved. He's talking to those that took their measure of faith and they gave it to God and they got saved. They said, I'm enlisted. I want you, Jesus. You can have my life. And then he's going to transition us into a transformed mind. And then he's going to transition us into a body that God can use to change the world. That's Romans chapter 12. Unsaved to saved. I've been enlisted. Now I'm going to be transformed in my mind as an individual, and then I'm going to be used as part of the body to change the world. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, and let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Amen. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. 
Lord, this is who we desire to be. We give you, Lord, the measure of faith that you gave to us. We give it back to you. We ask, Lord, that we would be secure and strong in our salvation, that we would be built up in our knowledge of you and, and what you've done for each and every one of us, Lord. But then we pray for transformation of our minds, Lord. Take this old one, this damaged one, this, this one that is filled with disease and an old stinking way of thinking, Lord God. We want it to be renewed. We want it to be transformed that we could think like you think. That we would be able to see like you see and speak like you speak and feel how you feel, Lord God. You said that we can be part of a body with different gifts that can be used for the edification of the whole body, Lord God. Show us who we are and what part of the body we are as individuals here in this place, Lord God. Take us to the place that you desired for us to go when you called us by name, Lord. We are not there yet. Not a single one of us here in this place, Lord, are where it is you desire for us to be. You say that there is a race that we are supposed to be running. There is a finish line that we must make it to, Lord. We must endure. And there you will be, Lord, with a prize for each and every one of us, Lord. Let us run without fainting. You've supplied everything that we need to be successful, Lord God. And all you've required is surrender. All you've required is surrender, Lord Jesus. Have your way over the rest of this time together, Lord God, and just do a miraculous work, Lord Jesus. The works that we saw of old, when we read your word and we see you in one moment, Lord, the first time that you encounter people, you change their destiny, you change their life, you redirect them, Lord God. We believe that you can do the same because your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. I, for one, would say this morning, Lord, I want to be redirected. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want this mind, Lord, to be your mind. And I want it now. I want it here in this place. Oh, Lord, we've given you an offering. Oh, but what you've offered to us is so much greater. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're starting our new series. The title of the series for June is A Time to Plant. A time to plant. Our theme scripture is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. It says to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, and a time to plant. A time to plant. Man, I want to see things grow. I said earlier that we've plucked what was planted in the past. We're tasting and seeing how good that can be. The question is, what will we pluck, what will we taste and see 10 years from now? It's dependent on two very, very important things. The first is, it's dependent upon the will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. See, we pray, and we should be praying with faith and belief, Lord, let your will be done. What I want to see 10 years from now is the will of God done in this place. I want God to say, that's what I wanted. That's how I wanted it to be. That's how I wanted it to look. That's how I wanted it to sound. That's where I wanted it to go. That's the will of God. I want that for my individual life, and I want that for the life of this church. Jeremiah 24, 6 says this. This is God. He says, I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. 
We love the other Jeremiah scripture that says, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you, and it's for good and not for evil, right? How many of you love that scripture? Don't lie. It's okay. Say amen. amen. How about this one that says, I'm going to plant them, right? It's not just, hey, I've got something for you, and it's a promise, and it's just going to come to you. No, planting means work, labor, water, all kinds of stuff. I like this one. I want to be brought to the place where God wants me to be. I want to be planted. I want to be protected by him. I want the will of God to be done. What we taste and see and what we pluck 10 years from now has everything to do with the will of God. The second thing that that fruit and that harvest 10 years from now depends on is the seed that we plant today. The second thing that will determine what we taste and what we see and what we harvest 10 years from now, it's dependent upon the seed that we plant today. Proverbs 21, 25 says, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. We all have desire. We all want something. We all want to eat a meal tomorrow. We all want to still be eating 10 years from now, but we cannot be lazy. We have to plant seed today. We got to plant some seed today. If we're lazy, we won't have anything to harvest. If nobody's sold out, there won't be any new souls to be leading and guiding and discipling. In your individual life, in your family, in the church, what you labor for today will be what you harvest tomorrow. I was meeting with a, with a brother yesterday, and we were talking about Scripture, and he was asking me, how do you see the Scripture that says, if you be saved, your household be saved? And everybody loves that Scripture. And I said, well, this is how I see it. Because he was struggling with, with getting comprehension on it. And I, I gave him two examples. I said, the jailer, right, when, when uh, they thought that, that Paul and them had left, but they were still there, he's about to kill himself. And he says, how do I get what you have? They take him to his house, and it says that not only was he saved, but his whole household was saved. And then I gave him the example of Cornelius. Cornelius has, has Peter come. He sent servants. Peter comes back. Peter begins to preach, and it says that everybody in the house, him, his family, his servants, they all get filled with the Holy Spirit. They all get saved, and the whole household is saved. I said, here's what I believe the scripture means. It says, those of us who still have authority and influence over people in our homes can be led very quickly to God if we are sold out to God. And we use that authority and that influence. I, I wish I would tell my kids they don't have to come to church. You're going to church because you live in this house and I'm your father and that's where we are going. Amen. You're not going to the game today because this is what matters. This is the time that I have influence and authority over them and I have to exercise it. It does not mean if you will not talk to your kids, they're still going to get saved. It does not mean just because you're saved if those kids are already gone that it's just magic going to appear like a leprechaun. You need to go out there to your kids and you need to tell them, I'm praying for you. I have hope for you. You have to go to church. You have to read the word of God. Come with me and I'll help you. No, you can't borrow money unless you're going to do the things that I've asked you to do. It doesn't just happen. It's not a promise for everybody. It's a promise for those who are obedient. Do not waste the time that you have with your kids. Because then when they're 18, 19, 20 and you're saying, God, I'm standing on your promise. He says, what are you talking about? You had the authority when they were in your house and you didn't do anything with it. Now you better hit the streets and, and make something happen. Don't just go to church and pray and hope that it happens. I wasn't that animated with him when he was asking me. 
But it just reminds me here, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. How many parents are dying on the inside because of what's happening to their kids? It's because you were lazy in the past and you might be lazy today, which means you're not going to have anything to reap 10 years from now. You better start planting some seed. The first of the three things, if you're taking notes that I'm going to share with you today, number one is the right time to plant. Say right time. time. Number one, the right time to plant. I found this on a website about planting. (laughs) This says, the title of this particular portion is Planting Fruit Trees in the Spring. It says, many people like to plant fruit trees early in the spring so that they can grow throughout the summer and fall. This gives the seedlings a chance to get established before winter arrives. Many nurseries suggest planting bare root trees as they are sometimes less expensive and can establish well. If you get bare root trees and cannot plant them immediately, you will need to cover the roots with soil for a few days until you can plant them. It suggests that if you plant toward the end of spring, such as late May or June, somebody say right now. now. Somebody say right now. It suggests that if you plant toward the end of spring, such as late May or June, potted trees do better. It is important to verify how much space each tree will need when it's fully grown so you can properly select your planting site. See, you got to plant it right now at the right time, and you also have to be looking 10 years into the future to make sure you planted it somewhere that it can fully grow. In addition, you can get excellent advice on how to prepare your soil and how deep to plant the tree. It is important to plant in an area where the soil is well drained. What are you going to be harvesting in your family 10 years from now? It depends on the will of God and it depends on what you plant today. How many of us with older kids have planted seeds that when they're full grown, right, you see those kids coming back into the home and celebrating as a family. You see those kids going off and being successful. You see those kids loving God and having a career, loving God and having an education, loving God and having spouses, loving God and having kids, and coming back to celebrate that with you. Are those the seeds you plant? I'm going to read Jeremiah chapter 32 to you guys. And what we're talking about is the time to plant, right? You know, I usually do like a decent amount of research on these topics that I bring to you guys and what God puts on my heart. I thought it was so interesting that this was literally the first website that I went to. It's like God was like, I've been waiting for you. (laughs) Here it is, bam, you don't have to look any further. Planting right now, late May, early June. Man, I hope you're taking notes. Jeremiah 32, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of, man. I'm telling you, I can't make this stuff up if I try. In the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, for then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. Right? And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. All right. So listen, you don't need to know all the background of the story, but what we can tell already is that there is a war and a battle. 
They're in Jerusalem. The king of Babylon is coming against Jerusalem. And they're winning to the point where the prophet is shut up and hiding in a house. Okay? Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord? Behold, I'll give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. Then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. So the king of the children of, of God, the Israelites, right, he took the prophet because he didn't like the prophecy and he put him in jail. The prophet said to him, hey, look, king, because you don't act right, this army's going to come and they're going to take you and you're going to be a prisoner. He says, why are you giving me bad prophecies? He put him in jail. How many of us, when pastor has something to say to you that you don't like, spiritually you put him in jail? When a friend has something to say to you that you don't want to hear, spiritually you put him in jail. You better listen to the word that came. It's for you and it's for your benefit. It doesn't do anybody any good just to tell you something's wrong in your life. Nobody wants to just give you bad news. What they're trying to say is be warned so it doesn't happen. Amen. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle will come to you saying, buy my field which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Jeremiah. Sorry, Jeremiah says, God told him, you're going to buy this piece of land. And one of your family members is going to come and offer it to you. A few days later, a family member comes to offer him a piece of land to buy. And he says, man, I knew it was the Lord. How many of you are making decisions in your life because God has said something and then he sends confirmation? Or are we just making them based on emotion and what you feel like doing right here, right now? I love it. He says... In verse 9, so I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and the custom, and that which is open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Masiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and this deed which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last for many days. Look at this planning ahead. He does it. He buys it. He makes sure that he gets right, the deed. They're all signed. He has a bunch of witnesses. And he takes, he says, Here, RJ, listen. This is official. Find an earthen vessel. Put these in there. I need this to last for a long time. Something's going to happen, but it's not going to happen right now. Make sure these things last, he says. For thus says the Lord in verse 15, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, Lord God, behold, You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. 
You show loving kindness to thousands. You repair iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. To give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among other men and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You've brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You've given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came and they took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They've done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you've caused all this calamity to come upon them. Look, the siege mounds. They've come to the city to take it, and the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans who fight against it because of the sword and famine and pestilence. What you have spoken has happened. There you see it, and you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city's been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he'll take it. The Chaldeans who fight against this city shall come and set fire to the city and burn it. With the houses on whose roofs they have offered incense to Baal, poured out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger, because the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only evil before me in their youth. The children of Israel have provoked me only to anger with the work of their hands, says the Lord. This city has been to me a provocation of my anger and my fury from the day that, that they built it. Even to this day, I, so I will remove it from before my face because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah, which they've done to provoke me to anger. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they've turned to me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not listened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire of Molech which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And then I will give them one heart and one way, then, or say, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. This is an amazing story. 
This first point is called a time to plant. God is saying, for you, it might not feel like the best time to plant something. It might not feel like the best time to give yourself completely to something. It might not feel like the best time to start doing things the way that God has asked you to do them. You might feel like you can't afford to do that and it's not the right season and maybe later when this gets worked out, but God's saying the time to plant is now. Jeremiah says, listen, I see the army. I'm the one that prophesied that you're going to take the land away from us because of the way that we've been acting. Why would I spend all the resources I have to buy land that's about to be taken from me? And God says, listen, the time to plant is now. The time to buy is now. The time to invest is now because, yes, they are going to take all this stuff. There's going to be a hard time. There's going to be a hard season. But after that, I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to give you this land. And when you have it, you're going to want to own that property. You're going to want to have trees that are bearing fruit. The time to plant is now. The time to invest is now. I'll tell you this, that after... Through 10 years, there were a lot of seasons of death and destruction and defeat and anger, frustration and abandonment. There were a lot of difficult seasons that, that it's a lot like the children of Israel. God had to come and take everything because of disobedience. But I'm so glad we planted 10 years ago instead of waiting. We could still be sitting in a church somewhere talking about maybe one day we'll do great things for God. What about you? Ten years from now, will you still be saying, maybe one day I'll do great things for God? Maybe one day I'll be the voice for this family? Maybe one day I will be the one who teaches my kids to pray? No, the time is now. The time to plant is now. Don't worry about what it looks like. Worry about what God has said and what God has promised. I believe this. In ten years, many of you and and many people who we don't even know yet are going to be sitting on amazingly fruitful land here at The Way. Amen. We're going to look in 10 years and it's going to be, look at that garden, look at that vineyard, look at those trees, look at all this stuff. But it will not be because of something that's happening then. It will be because of some seed that you plant right now. People will be looking at you like, man, where'd you get all that fruit? Where'd you get those fruit trees? What are those avocados? What, what, where did you get all that stuff? I want it and I want it now. And you're going to say, no, no, no. We planted this 10 years ago. We've been cultivating the ground. We've been watering these things. Amen. Back then, all we had was a promise. All we had was the word of God. And he said, now's the time. So we just listened and we did it. Hebrews 6.17, thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. I'm making promises to you guys this morning. I believe God is making promises to you guys this morning. If you buy the land now, it will have value later. Yes. If you plant the seed now, you will be feasting on it later. Yes. It's a promise of God. He says, there's two immutable things in this world, my word and my promises. That's it. Those are the only things you know for sure that are going to come to pass, the word of God and the promises of God. And he says, plant and it will bear fruit. Yes. Believe and you will have strength. Here's what I believe. 
In 10 years, the way we'll have 10 churches in 10 cities. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. I can see it. But it's going to take people who will respond and surrender to God. I believe it. The way that city. (laughs) The way that city. The way that city. And you know who will be there? It will not be people who are not planting right here, right now. It'll be people who are willing to plant right here, right now. Willing to surrender right here, right now. Willing to give God everything right here, right now. And then it'll come to pass. Man, I pray it's those who are already here. But God says, I'll bring those in if they're not. The only question is, who will replant and stay here in Brea? Who will be pastors that plant in other places? Who will be part of plant teams that go out? When you send, you send your best. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard 10 years. I'm just telling you right now. Get ready. Because you see how we can never stop doing meet and greet? Because we love each other. People come here and have worship and meet and greet. And visitors are like, is that it? Like, all you guys do is hug and kiss and hang out. We love each other. You know what's going to be hard? When you say, hey, everybody in this whole area, you're going to that city because you're the best we got and we're sending the best we got. You know why? Because it's not about us hugging and kissing forever and feeling better and better about each other. It's about the kingdom of God advancing. Amen. Huggers and kissers, I love you. I love hugging and kissing. <laughs> it's, it's like, God, you, you made us new and we have this new life. I love it. But that's not why God saved us. That whole us four and no more. People are trying to get in the church. Hey, excuse me, we're kind of full here right now. Can't afford for any other friends. We've got to separate our time for. <laughs> Man, maybe God's speaking to you that you'll be one of those 10 who plant. Maybe God's speaking to you that you can go somewhere else and be faithful for those who are going to lead that church. Amen. There's nothing like it. When we planted this church, you know, got to give love to, to Sarah. Amen. You know, it's not easy to go to a church with three people. But you know what a pastor needs? He needs those other two and a half to show up every week. (laughs) You know, I believe that there's going to be ministers raised up here and leaders raised up here and and launched out. But the reality is this. They'll be learning a lot of things along the way. It's going to be hard for some. We're going to need mature Christians to say, look, I'll go from a place that has everything already. Right. And a pastor who's been preaching for 10, 12, 15 years at that time, whatever it is. And I'll go sit somewhere with three, four, 15 people. And have it not be emotionally what it used to be for me, but it be vision for me of what God wants to do. Amen. You better be getting strong right now. You better be planting those seeds right now, because if not, it'll be other people who go and you'll sit because you don't have any fruit or any faith to go and do those things. And I don't want to scare you guys, but if it comes down to it, I'll go. It has to be done. It has to be done. If you don't want to leave me, then you're going to have to come with us anyway because I'll have to go. <laughs> God is good. Somebody say amen. amen. The right time to plant is now. Say now. Yeah. Man, I hope you got some seed. Number two is about good soil. All right, this is from that same website. A paragraph down says this, planting fruit trees in the fall. Some experts like to plant fruit trees in California in the fall because the winter is mild. Planting fruit trees in the fall can be the perfect time. The idea is that the roots can become established without the tree itself coming out of dormancy. 
The majority of the energy of the tree is directed to the establishment of a strong root system, which often means that the tree is stronger in the spring when it begins to grow its foliage. The focus here is on the soil and on the roots. How fitting is that? The first part talked about uh, the time is right now, right? The end of May, it said, or June, which is exactly where we are. And this one's saying, hey, there are some things that have to be planted later. There are some churches that need to get planted later. And what should you be doing in preparation for that? Look at this, this picture. I got a couple pictures. I think there's two or three of them. See, the shape and the strength of the roots are all about the foundation and the soil that it's laid into. Look at this tree that was planted, and because there was a foundation that was shaped like these bricks, look at how the roots grow. See, what's going to grow in your life is 100% dependent upon the foundation that you plant into. Look at this next one. It's not just squares. <laughs> look at this tree. The roots want to grow according to the foundation. Look at this last one. Big squares, little squares, <laughs> octagons. It's going to grow according to the foundation. The question is simple. What foundation do you have? What's growing in your life? What have you been laying on the ground that says, hey, it's squares like this, it's, it's blocks like that, and I'm expecting what grows, right, to be based on that. The fruit is based on the foundation. Somebody say amen. amen. The fruit is based on the foundation. Amen. In this church, the key, I believe, there's two keys. One is Wednesday night Bible study. That's why I said show up, risk everything to get here, pay for the gas, right? Listen on the app because it doesn't get any easier than that. But the other major one is our courses, that's the foundation. Without one or both of those, man, what foundation are you actually building here? Is it just based on like what you're hearing this particular Sunday or what you're feeling that particular day? Like, do you actually see, everybody close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes and think about your foundation. Say my foundation. My foundation. What does it look like? What does it look like? What does it look like? Think about it. Don't speak, just think. Envision it. Have you, have you mapped out an area? Have you torn out the grass and the weeds from that area? Have you put some pieces of wood that say, look, this is the foundation, and I'm putting these, wood, these pieces of wood on the outside so that I don't go outside of this foundation. I've got to remain within this. Do you see good soil? Is there, is there the, the rock and the cornerstone of your salvation in there? Where is it? Right corner, left, north, south, east, west. Where's that rock? Where's that cornerstone at? Have you begun to lay a grid? Big bricks, small bricks, squares, octagons, whatever it is. Do you see it in your life? Not in my life, not in somebody else's life, not in your neighbor's life, not in your wife or your husband's life, not in your children, in your life. What does it look like? God wants you to be so sure and so confident. And he wants you to be looking 10 years down the road to say, I know what the root system's gonna look like. I know the fruit that I'm expecting to see from this foundation. Open your eyes. See, for us in this, uh, these courses that we've been building, you know, Ray talked about this coming June uh, 23rd, I believe it is, that all five of the courses will have their 201 portions being taught here. 
Um, it's taken a lot of effort, and we're still trying to get everybody to really understand and to engage in it. We don't care what pace that you're at, right? You can do the whole thing, and I think we said about 18, 19 months, but we don't care if it takes you five years to do it. We just want you to have a foundation. We want you to have something. If I get in a car accident, what good is it, all these messages that you heard, that you remember this piece and that piece? I want to go on to heaven saying, Lord, look at those foundations. I don't care if you were inspired or encouraged or pumped up one particular Sunday. I care that you know what your foundation looks like and it's strong. The article said that if you plant in the fall, the roots can become established without the tree coming out of dormancy. What that means is in the, in the winter, nothing's going to grow anyway. But if you were to plant in the fall, even though we don't see anything coming out of the ground, you don't see any fruit, you don't see any uh, life, you don't really see any leaves or anything growing, but you plant in the fall, you know it's a time to plant, that there's something happening underneath in the soil. There's strength growing. There's a root system growing. Something's being developed. Some of us have been in a spiritual winter for a long time. And we keep coming back like, when am I going to come out of winter? Is there anything popping out? Anything to say that spring is coming? Week after week, you keep showing up to church, but spiritually you're in winter. Is there anything, is there anything going to pop up? Is there anything growing? And nothing, time after time. And God's like, what are you looking for? You didn't plant any seed. Why, why do you keep coming back here winter, 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 winter? You have to actually plant a seed. We need to focus on the root system. The article said that if we do that, the majority of the energy of the tree is directed to establishment of a strong root system, which often means the tree is stronger in the spring when it begins to grow its foliage. That means this. It doesn't matter if you're in a winter, we're praying for you and we're believing for you. But you can look up in a year, two years, five years, ten years from now, and you can have the most beautiful, strong tree in the whole church if you plant and you focus on your roots right now. I'm not looking for quick pop-up Christians. I'm looking for strong trees that can provide shade for others and nourishment to others. Amen. Man, the time is now. You know, our current ministry leaders, we've got about 14 of them. We're going to be meeting soon. It's a very, very important time together. But all of them started in ministry before we had courses. It's hard to rebuild a foundation or to strengthen a foundation. For those of you that are newer to the church or those of you that haven't started a course or don't have ministry that you're actively leading, there's no better time than now to start on these courses and to build your foundation. I got this one last picture and I'm gonna move on. So this is what it looks like when you've gotta put these things on the side of a tree to help it grow straight. When you're already growing and you're like, oh, it's not growing exactly the way it should be, you got to dig up some of the soil. you got to drive these stakes in. You're actually hurting some of the roots when you're doing it. And then you tie the tree to make it come back safe. That is the process that many of our ministry leaders here are going through right now. Where it's like, hey, no, you don't get to stop your ministry. You just get to add to it all this stuff you've got to do. You've got to read this. You've got to pray that. You've got to show up for this. You've got to show up for that. Why? I know it hurts. I know it hurts but you're going to be so much better off because of it. And then while they're being stretched and pulled and tied and some of their roots are getting cut off, I like that root. Oh, no, 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 no. It's having you grow crooked. Bam, it gets cut off. And then they're looking at other people and saying, but they just get to start in the beginning? They don't have to teach kids and run the ministry and do this. They just get to do this for themselves and for their own foundation. God, we got to wake up. 
Many of us come here every Sunday and every Wednesday and we eat a good meal, hopefully, and we're relatively healthy. When we talk about things like courses and all these other opportunities of stuff we're doing throughout the month, we look at those things as not just coming to eat a good meal, but you get to go into the kitchen and see where they're made. <laughs> right? It's one thing to come and, hey, there's a meal ready. Somebody was here ready to preach on Hebrews chapter 8. You know how many times me and him talked last week? You know how many times we send notes back and forth to each other? You know how many times we prayed over, all right, what scriptures are you going to cover? Right? That's cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> I want people who want to see the kitchen, who want to learn how to cook. You know, your family's got to eat. Amen. Your family's got to eat. What happens if we're like, you know what, God just said no more Wednesday night Bible study. How many of us would say, man, we never even saw the kitchen. We don't even know how to cook. It's going to be fast food from here on out. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus never intended to prepare meals for them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> right? He's like, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. When they started following him, he kept feeding them and feeding them. And I got this for you. I got that for you. He's like, Peter, go down there. There's going to be a fish. Just take it out. It's got money in its mouth. Feeding them and feeding them. But he was making them fishers of men. He wanted to teach them how to fish and how to prepare meals for themselves and how to prepare meals for others. And he did that successfully. And he did it in three years. If you've been here for more than three years, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> See, the great thing for me is that even though I believe like I'm a, a fisher of men, I believe that I'm a preparer of meals. Jesus hasn't just abandoned me and left and gone off somewhere. What happens to me often is I find his cookbooks all over the place. <laughs> right? I'm in the kitchen trying to cook something up. Right? Like, look, Lord, this is, this is what you said. These are ingredients you gave me. Let's mix it up. Let, let's see what they got going on. I go to reach for something in the drawer. It's like, what? Jesus, you don't have another cookbook in here? And I take the cookbook. I got more things to cook, and he's still cooking for me because I've got his cookbook. Amen. And then I'm still feeding my family, and I'm still feeding the church. Amen. Man, it's glorious. Amen. And I'm not saying this because I got to cook. I'm just telling you, man, to me, it's better than just eating meals. So let's finish up on the good soil. Luke 8, 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? So he explained it. He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Before I finish the scripture, this is what it means. Jesus gives a very simple uh, uh, parable or story about soil and seed right here. And they say, well, what does it mean? And he says this. He says, this is so simple and this is so clear, but it's so spiritual that most people in the world will look at that and say, you want me to go to your church and hear you talk about soil and seed? I've got no time for that. He says, but for you, it's a mystery that will be revealed if you open yourself up and listen. Amen. So before I tell you what he says and how he explains it, open yourself up and listen. 
This is what he says. Now this, now the parable is this, he says. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, but then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. How many of you guys have heard so many things that the devil comes and takes before it ever actually germinates and grows in your life? Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Oh, I'm there all the time. I'm ready for this. I'm signing up for that. I'm joining that ministry. I'm giving right now. But there's no roots. And then when it gets hard, oh, my wife don't want to go anymore. Oh, my husband's acting a fool. Oh, the kids got sports. Oh, this is going on. Well, now I don't really got time for it. Well, what are you talking about? What we're saying is you have no roots. Put that picture back up for us, Raymond, of the, of the tree that's being straightened out. What this means is when things start to get hard, instead of letting yourself be discipled and stretched and held accountable and changing plans and changing vacations and changing what you do with your finances, no, I'm just done growing. I'm out. I'm out. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to me. Hope he's talking to you. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. The world gets the best of us. The world gets our time. The world gets our energy. The world gets our focus. The world gets our love. The world gets our passion, and we sleep in church. We don't sing when it's time to worship. We don't give when it's time to give. We don't help when there's a need. We don't endure when it gets hard. The cares of the world choke us off and take all the life and all the passion and all the joy, and God gets the leftovers. But, say but. but, say but. but, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it and they bear fruit with patience. One out of four. One out of four. That's the odds he's given us. <laughs> Which one are you? Good ground, good soil, good heart. You keep it and you bear fruit with patience. That means it's not going to happen overnight. It takes time to grow fruit and to definitely to grow good fruit. At the way, we do not want GMOs. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> GMOs are genetically modified organisms, right? You are uh, engineering what you want to happen. Like when you go buy chicken at the store, <laughs> It's been genetically modified. It took a week to grow that chicken that should have taken three months, which means you got a chicken and it tastes like chicken, but there's some extra stuff in there that wasn't intended to be there. I don't need Christians. God doesn't need Christians. The church doesn't need Christians who try to do things after a week that they should be trying to do after a couple of years. We need real growth. No GMCs, genetically modified Christians. <laughs> I showed up, I gave an offering, 
Give me my ministry. Give me my shot. Give me the pulpit. Give me reinforcements for what I'm doing in my own ministry elsewhere. He says, they bear fruit with patience. The amount of surrender, I believe, will influence the swiftness that God will use you. We planted a church in three years, which I think is crazy fast. And I'm not saying this out of pride. I'm just telling you, I gave it all, though. Like, all. All, all. It was a little bit easier because I didn't really have much. <laughs> but I gave it all. I gave every day to study. I gave every hour to praying, Lord, make me a husband, because I've never seen a good one, and I know that I'm not prepared for it. I know that I haven't laid a foundation or planted good seed in that area, but I started planting seed then. God, give me a wife who cares more about other people than she cares even about me. And then I get mad when he gave that to me. <laughs> Let me finish up. Told you I had a lot to say. I hope you're taking notes. Number one, the right time to plant. Number two, good soil. The, the last one, good seed. Good seed. Seed comes from God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Romans 9.27 says, The remnant will be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, they've obtained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. So God left us a seed, and then he says, the non-Jews found life and salvation and righteousness, but the Jews, they didn't find any of that. All they found was death and hopelessness. This is what we've been learning about in our Wednesday night and our study of Hebrews, faith versus law. God says, listen, I left a seed, and it's an amazing seed. And Gentiles, non-Jews like us, were finding the seed and saying, what do you mean? All we have to do is put all of our faith in Jesus, and we get hope and life and righteousness, and we get clothed in righteousness and clothed in salvation. I'll take it. And then the Jews are over here saying, thou shalt not do this. And if, if, your, if your brother does this to you, then you should do that to them. And if, if this is how much you come in, this is how much you should give out. And, and I'm going to try to do all those things and I'm going to find righteousness. And they're finding nothing. Talked to that same friend yesterday about the scriptures after we talked about your whole house being saved. We talked about... Uh, Big things and small things in the faith. He said, what do you think are, are small things that you just have to, to let it go? And what are big things that you have to say, no, this is how it has to be? And I talked about Melchizedek. I said, listen, I said, Melchizedek seems like a small thing. You know, is he Jesus? Is he just a king from the area? Is he the high priest from heaven? Right? Seems like a small thing because at the end of the day, all that matters is you're supposed to put our focus and our attention on Jesus. I said, however, it can be a big thing because Melchizedek comes out of nowhere and he supersedes Abraham and everything else. And God wants us to understand that Jesus is going to come out of nowhere and he's going to supersede everything and everyone else. I said, so we need to have an understanding. What's big, what's small, it depends. 
It changed everything for faith versus the law. The law leads to death, but Jesus leads to life. So what's big and what's small? Here's the point. The seed that God has given us is the seed of faith, not the seed of the law. It's the seed of faith. It's not the seed of the law. We also do not need a bunch of people who are saying, I know what God says and why he says it and what he'll do if you do what he says. And I'm going to go out and plant a church and I'm going to tell everybody who comes, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> no, what he needs is people who say, oh God, the God of grace who saves the most wretched and decrepit of all of us and makes them righteous by faith. I can't wait to go tell people how much God loves them. And then once they know how much God loves them, I believe that they will want to please him by doing what he tells them to do. Man, I have a feeling I might have to replant. <laughs> Within that seed of faith is more than you can imagine, church. In that seed is more than you can imagine. Trees produce fruit according to their kind. What that means is an apple tree is within an apple seed. If you go out to a nursery, you go out somewhere where, where trees are growing, fruit trees are growing, within the seed is the tree. You don't plant trees, you plant seed. In that little seed is a whole apple tree. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Just imagine what is in the seed of faith. And that seed of faith is more than you can imagine. Genesis 1.1, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. God says, I'm going to make trees that, that have the fruit of that tree, and within that fruit there's a seed in itself. So they can just keep planting them and planting them, and more of those are going to grow and grow and grow. Genesis 5.3 says this, Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. We produce after our kind. Adam had a kid after his own image, after his own likeness, after his own kind, and just like all of us are, just like him. But if we're Christians, we've been born again. We are now of a new kind. We have a new likeness and a new image. You can make Christians. <laughs> Think about that for a second. What comes after you should be like you. How many of you this morning would say, listen, I want, I want Christians to be like me. I can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Read like I read. Pray like I pray. Go like I go. Give like I give. Worship like I worship. Listen like I listen. Help like I help. Amen. Come after me because I'm following after Christ. Paul said it. Why can't you? Amen. Stop inviting people to church. Come to my church. Your life will be changed. Nah. Hey, just, just hang out with me. Your life will be changed. Start having lunch with me at work. Your life will be changed. Start praying with me. Your life will be changed. We have a new way forward. Good seed is dead seed. I'm closing. Good seed is dead seed. John 12, 23 says, Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Jesus says, it's time for me to be glorified. It's time for me to be lifted up. It's time for the purpose for which I came to be established and for that to come to pass. And then he says, the way that I'm going to be glorified is by dying so that others can come to life. The seed ain't a good seed until it's a dead seed. Jesus had to die in order for everybody to have life. He says, listen, you have this seed, this grain of wheat. Unless it falls on the ground and dies, nothing's going to happen. But if it does fall on the ground and die, all kinds of wheat is going to pop up everywhere. That's the kind of man or woman you are here in this place this morning, whether you know it or not. You have something in you that can cause a crazy amount of life to come bursting forth. The problem is some of us are holding that seed in our hand instead of planting it into good soil. If it decays in your hand, nothing's going to happen. If you plant it in good soil, let it die. Let yourself die. Paul says, I die daily. I get so frustrated with people in the middle of the day sometimes with messages that come back and forth and things that they say and things that they do. I'm just so angry. And then I wake up and I'm like, Lord, I'm just go ahead and die to that today and just believe for today. Yesterday I was frustrated with somebody. They told me, uh, just a heads up. I ain't going to be there for a while. And I'm like, Jesus, it's a time to plant. The time is now. The time is now. I want to kill. But God has given me a little bit of maturity. So all I said was, okay. Okay. And then I'm praying at 845 this morning and just giving God what he deserves in prayer. And then I come into worship, and I got my eyes closed the whole time, and I'm just singing to God. And then when I finally open my eyes, that person is at the altar worshiping. And I say, Lord, you know the time is now, just like I know the time is now. And not only is it about the seed that we plant, but it's about your will being done. It's powerful. It was encouraging. And I thought to myself, It wasn't anger and wanting to choke the life out of somebody. (laughs) It was, man, this person doesn't understand how much is in their seed. They don't understand how much is in their seed. I wanted to die, not because I want that person to suffer. I wanted to die because they can say, all that came from my death? All that came from my death? We're all here in this place at least today, because three people were willing to die. That's three seeds. Might not look like a a lot to the world, but you guys mean a lot to me. I wonder if some other people would just say, you know what, I'll die. I'll die. Jesus crying out, he says, follow me. Good seed is dead seed. You're small, but something great is in you. Worship team, come on up here. <clears throat> We're going to pray. We're going to believe that next week there will be less said. <laughs> but God speaking more. Just let's stay seated today. But if you would, just begin to pray. Just close your eyes. Don't talk to your neighbor. Think about the Lord. Think about your soil. Think about planting. Think about 
even the desires of your heart, what you want to see tomorrow, what you want to see a year from now, what you want to see 10 years from now, and whether or not you're planting those seeds, whether or not you're tending to that soil. Some of you have been serving God maybe for a long time, and maybe God's saying, hey, you're growing, but you're growing at a little bit of, a, of an angle. Are you willing to be stretched and pulled, uprooted a little bit so that deeper, stronger, better roots can grow? See, Jesus says that he had to die in order for the rest of us to be able to live. Earlier, I told everybody here in this place that we've all been given the measure of faith. There's another scripture that says, nobody knows the spirit of a man except the spirit that is within them. So every man and every woman here in this place, you know if you're saved. You know if you felt the overwhelming love of God enter into your heart and say, you are forgiven, my daughter. You are forgiven, my son. I love you. I've cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Nothing you can do will ever cause me to abandon you. I'm yours forever and you're mine forever. You know if that's true in your life or not. Death is what it took to provide that for us and to offer it to us. And death is what it takes to receive it. If you're here in this place, you're sitting here this morning. Maybe you've come in and out of the church for a long time, but you know what? Judas went in and out of the church for three years with Jesus, and he was never saved. Because he was never willing to die to his life and take up the life of Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you've been coming in and out of the church, but you've never died and taken up new life in Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand? I can see you if that's you. Just raise your hand. I know that life is not in me. I don't feel that power. I don't feel that touch. I don't feel that comfort in my times of need and distress, but I want to. If that's you, just raise your hand. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, we're so grateful this morning, Lord, that we know you. For those who are saved, are there any of you who are ready to plan something new in your own life this morning? You've heard the message and you've understood it. Maybe you've taken some notes and you know in your life something needs to be planted. Not for everybody else, not for the family, not for friends, but just for you. There's something you don't have that you want to have tomorrow or you want to have a few years from now or you want to see come to pass even 10 years from now. If that's you, just raise your hand. I don't want you to move. I don't want you to stand up. But you know something has to be planted. Hallelujah, Lord. You don't have it, but you want to have it. Anybody else? Now is the time. Amen. I see you. Now is the time. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Anybody else say that you know it's time to plant something for your family? Would you raise your hands? Something for your kids, maybe something for your parents, your siblings. Amen. If you want to see it come to pass, there's going to be some labor. There's going to be some planting. There's going to be some soil that has to be turned over. There's going to be some sacrifice. It's going to get dirty and it's going to be painful. Amen. I see you guys. You guys can put your hands down. Before we move, I want to pray over those people, Lord. For those that raise their hand, they have something they know that needs to be planted in their life, Lord God. We heard your word earlier that you're the giver of seed. 
I pray that you would give them the right seed, that they'd be able to plant it into the soil of good hearts, into the soils of faith for themselves, Lord, that they would be able to taste and see that you are good, that those desires and the things they want in their lives that they don't have yet, Lord, that you would give them the seed that will produce it and give them the strength and the endurance to labor to see that come to pass, Lord. I pray that you would do a swift and miraculous work, Lord, that it might come quickly, but also I pray that they would endure if it takes a season and a time, Lord, that maybe they're entering into or in the middle of a winter, Lord God, where they're not going to see much from that seed, but they have the faith to believe you're growing a strong root system beneath that soil, God. For those that prayed for their family, they want to plant something for their family. It is not too late. They're still here. They're still alive. There's still breath in their lungs, Father God. I pray that those seeds for family members and for friends, Lord, oh, that they'd be planted again into great soil, that they'd be watered and tended to, Father God, that when they see weeds growing up in the form of dissension or frustration or anger, Lord, that they'd be quick to pull those weeds, Lord. That that tree and that life and that fruit, Lord, would come to pass, Father God. You know their hearts. You know their desires, Lord. You know the people. You know the number of hairs on their head, and you know them by name. We trust you this morning, Lord. We're praying with faith. We're not praying with just a wish, Lord God. We're praying with faith. We believe in your promises, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We seal those things in your name. So finally, church. We need strong individuals and we need strong families, so I pray that those things come to pass. But if you're here already and you know that regardless of how strong you are, regardless of how weak you are, regardless of if there's some stuff you still need to do with your soil, regardless if there's a few weeds that need to be pulled, there's some rocks that need to get out of the soil, you already know that this is it for you that you're going to be used and you're going to do great things and you are going to be a pillar and you're going to be a support, that you're willing to have some things put on the sides of you and into your roots that help you grow straight, but you're also willing at some point and you desire at some point to come alongside others to help them grow, that you want to labor in the field, that you want to plow the fields, that you want to help people lay a foundation that is strong. You want to be used to plant? You want to replant here? Or you feel in your heart that you have a desire maybe to go out and be a pastor? Maybe you have a desire to go out and be a pastor's wife. Maybe you have a desire to be a part of something new where you see a church planted and you want to be the one that says, I'll show up every day. Maybe you want to be the one that says, hey, that church is going to need somebody to lead youth and lead kids. You don't know what it is maybe, but you know you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You want to be a part of this church replanting and growing and multiplying. You want to be a part of the vision that God has given into this place. You know you're not there yet, but you believe that you will be. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Between you and the Lord and between me and you, would you just raise your hand so I can see you? I want to plant. I want to replant. I want to be used. I'm willing to lay it down for others. Anybody else? I just want to see those hands. I see those hands. Is there anybody else before we move on? I see that hand. Now is the time. Don't wait till after service. Don't do this in your own mind. Raise your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. I see you. Just one more minute. Keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I got a message through our church app. Came in on Friday night, but I saw it on Saturday morning. And it said, I want to get involved. <laughs> There's a section in there that says, well, where do you want to get involved? And how do you want to be used? And this person said, wherever the Lord tells you to use me. <laughs> 
That's the level I'm talking about this morning. When I talk about people who are needed to be part of a plant. That's the level that says, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about whether or not I give. I'm not talking about how consistent I am. Those things are child's play. I'm going to give. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to overcome my issues and my circumstances by the word and by the power of God. And I'm going to trust him. And because I trust him, I'm willing to be used anywhere at any time for the benefit of others. And this ain't one of those folks that's been around for 10 years. This is one of those folks where God says, I'm going to do a swift work. I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to raise people up. And it was so encouraging because I believe that person is one of many. So those of you that raised your hands that said, that's me. I don't know what that means. I don't know where I'm going. And, and I, don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm strong enough. But I know it is. I hear God. If you raise your hand for that, just stand up real quick. Hallelujah. You know, to you folks, come on up here. Hurry up. Come quickly. Listen, church. Those of you that are sitting down, you are needed. You are valuable. This is not us against you. What this is, is the whole point of the church having leaders and having those that are willing to do these things is because we're trying to provide a place for others to be able to sit and others to be able to be ministered to and others to be able to be cared for. I don't think any, I don't, I would be, I believe it's a challenge to see any church have half the folks be willing to be what half of us are willing to be. I believe God can do a crazy and amazing work because of that. When we started to be used, my wife and I, we weren't ready. <laughs> and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And we weren't stable and we weren't strong. But we found stability while we served. We found strength while we tried. We found gifts within us that we didn't know were there when we began to volunteer. And I believe the same thing is going to happen in all of your lives. You'll find things that you don't know were there. You'll find gifts that you didn't know were there. You'll find strength and stability in your areas of weakness. And because you're focused on others, God will deal with your problems. <laughs> He'll deal with your issues. So there's something I want to do with you guys. Stay there where you are for just one minute. One minute. We got some planting to do. We got some planning to do. Hold your hands out in front of you. They're all clean right now. <laughs> right? There's no dirt in your nails. There's no calluses on those fingers, right? But look, if something's got to grow, somebody's got somebody's to plow. Somebody's got to get dirty. Somebody's got to get sweaty. Somebody's got to get a little bit of mud on themselves. I was going to use my, my flowery planting gloves. But if the glove doesn't fit... <laughs> Nah, God, God doesn't want it to be that sanitary, though. Don't you think? You know what I mean? Like, 
You get to plow, but you don't get dirty? Right? You get to plow, but there's no sweat? No, nah, I don't think that's what he wants. So what I want to do with you guys, I got a bunch of seed. I got a bunch of seed and some miracle grow. <laughs> so again, I bought some seed and some miracle grow. What I want to do is I'm going to give you this. I'm just going to ask you to scoop a little bit of soil and throw it in there. We're going to do some planting. Go ahead and just pass that on. Let's get some soil in there. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. There's going to be labor involved. There's going to be some dirt involved right back there. We're going to stink sometimes. People are going to say, why are they sweaty? Why are they smelly? Why are they always dirty? Why is God using those people to try to help me? Man, we're gardeners. We're planters. We're laborers. It's okay to be dirty for the Lord. Jesus went to the dirty. Jesus went to the lost. Jesus went to the others that nobody wanted to touch. They said, are you willing to touch me? <laughs> and what did he say? Yes, and he embraces them and he hugs them. Man, I want you guys to remember this when it gets hard. I want you to remember this when the people that you're talking to and the people that you're trying to love and the people that you're planning events for and the people that you're giving for are not grateful. It's okay. You're not alone. You have others who know the cost know the difficulty, and they want to plant too. This way. Hallelujah. Get some of that soil in there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So you guys remember, look to your right, look to your left. Who is plowing with you? Who is planting with you? Who is laboring? These are the ones that you call when you're frustrated with your pastor. <laughs> These are the ones you call when you're being asked to give more than you think you have. These are the ones you call oh, when you say, I want to give up. I'm too tired for this. Go ahead. Thank you. Amen. Go ahead and get you a scoop in there. Praise the Lord. Amen. So often the way that it works is we do what we can and we give our scoop that we've got and then the Lord just comes in and he says, let me put a little bit more on that for you. You've given me all that you've got, but I've got something for you. So here's what I want you guys to do. Take some of these, take some in your hand and give it to whoever's right behind you. I like how you guys are all stacked up like that. There's two back there, so why don't you take that one, take that one. Here you go. Make sure you get some there. 
Make sure you guys get some. Here's one. Make sure you guys all get some of that seed. Get it in your hands. I've been reading up on planting. And here's what all the, the websites and the books tell you about soil and how much and what you need. What they say is, don't do what we're about to do. Don't put too much seed into a certain amount of soil and all the room and all that kind of stuff. But my goal for what we're doing here today, we're not trying to get the perfect plant and the perfect tree and the perfect flower and the perfect garden. What we're trying to say is, Lord, we want you to grow like crazy. Amen. We want you to do more than we thought. We want mixed flowers. We want big flowers. We want small flowers. We want everything that you have. We want it to outgrow these pots to the point where we got to take them and transplant them and plant them somewhere else yes. if they're going to continue to grow. So all I need you guys to do, it doesn't matter what kind of seeds you've got, I just want you to come up here, and before you drop that seed in, I pray that you would pray, because this isn't about these pots and it is about these flowers. What it's about is your life, the cost you're willing to pay, what you're willing to overcome, how you're willing to labor. And I believe God's going to do a supernatural work. We answer a call. If you hear the call, you answer it. I'm excited for that. So those who are, are here in the congregation, you serve as well. You're being served and you serve. So would you guys just stretch your hands out towards these that are at the front here? Hallelujah. Stretch your hands out. Stretch your hands out. Amen. God hears your prayers. And as you drop that seed in there, just pray. You can choose whichever one you want. Matter of fact, you can put a little in each of them. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to pray as you guys drop those seeds in. Lord, we thank you that we can plant. We thank you that the time to plant is now. We thank you that what you want to do in our lives, what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen next year and what's going to happen 10 years from now, it depends on the seed that we plant today, Lord God. We're planting seeds of faith. We're planting seeds of faith. We're planting seeds of faith, Father God. Seeds of hope. Seeds of destiny. Seeds of purpose. Lord, we ask that you would take these seeds and multiply them. Cause them to grow, Lord. As they fall into the soil, we believe that they're going to die. They represent our lives. There's some dying that has to happen. There's further that we have to go. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's save the tongues, sister. Let's save the tongues for later. We've got a praying in the spirit service. Right here, right now, Lord, we want understanding. We want understanding. We hear you speaking to us to sacrifice. We hear you see, saying to us to die to ourselves. We hear you saying to us that we have to get dirty, that we have to get into the mud where you find the lost, Lord. We have to be willing to go there. But we should be strong when we go. We should have deep roots when we go. We should have a foundation that is rock solid, God. Use the sacrifices of these people's lives, Lord. Let that gap between pastors and leaders, Lord. Let it be closed. All of us can give everything, God. All of us can die to ourselves. And all of us can be used to see a great harvest, Lord God. I pray for their individual families, Lord. They're not sacrificing their families, Lord. They're giving their families to you that you would provide for them, Lord. There are small children represented here. There are pregnancies represented here. There are families with adult children, Lord God. There's young and old. All walks of life are here saying we want to plant. We want to be used, God. We believe in you, Jesus. It's not 
a theory, and it's not a game. It's the truth, and it has the power to change everything, Lord God. Take the seed, Lord. It came from you, and we give it back to you, God. Have your way, Lord. So it says after you drop the seeds in, have you guys dropped all your seeds in? Let's drop these seeds. Drop these seeds. Hallelujah. Get them in there. Get them in there. It says after you drop the seeds, put a little bit of soil back on top. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Got a few more? We got some on that side, too. Get them seeds in there. All right. It says after you put all those seeds in there, you got to cover them up with a little bit of soil. It's like our lives. You lay them down, but they're supposed to be six feet deep. <laughs> if we don't get covered up, we might find ourselves walking away. We ain't really dead. So we're going to cover these up with some more soil. We're going to pray for Jen as she watches me put <laughs> dirt all over the stage. Whoever these people are, they've got the title, but they don't really have the miracle grow. <laughs> hey, right? We know who is the miraculous one. Amen. Amen. So I learned something else about these. They, they have these little vents at the bottom, right? So that some of that water can get in without spilling all over the place. These little ones, don't worry about it, brother. It's a little water on the stage. It'll dry up. I remember when we built it. We built it strong. <laughs> so now we wait. <laughs> we just die. And we expect God to do the miracle. Yes, amen. It's so easy, our part. Just lay your life down. Amen. That's it. And then we wait for him to do the miraculous. So, Lord, we're going to receive communion, Lord God. We're going to ask that we would take you in and that inside of us, you would do the miraculous. It's not just a line to some bread and some juice, Lord God. It's calling on the one that saved us to change us and transform us from the inside out, Lord. We know what it means. We die again today as, a, as we remember that you died for us. We live today because you lived and you conquered the grave, Lord God. These seeds, we pray that they would die. We pray that they would decay, Lord God, but that many beautiful things would come to live because of that death, Lord God. Likewise, in our lives, we don't die just for the sake of dying. We die because we have faith that beautiful things will grow in our place, Lord. Have your way, God, over our lives, over the fruit, over the fields, over this time to plant. Energize us and synergize us, Lord God. Come and dwell within us. Let us have everyday daily communion, Lord God. And just show us just a little bit from time to time of some things peeking through that soil that are going to grow, Lord God. Give us some, some encouragement, if you would, Lord Jesus. Bless your people. Bless your sons. Bless your daughters. We receive 
what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. So church, we love you. Be blessed. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.